Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live broadcast brought to you by Frontline Gaming. Uh, we are your hosts, Shelby, the hobby guru and most effervescent player in 40K. Uh, again, we are absent our chief of cereal, Kicker, the FLG insider. Uh, yeah, he again roams the desert. Trip to the desert and find him. He might be lost. Just go yell cereal. cereal. He might come to you. What was it? Special edition Cocoa Pebbles. Yeah, yeah. He'll be back one day, guys. Hopefully next week. Yep. No, he he promises he'll be back shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, of course, Seth, your mad, the Mad Doc, your competitive correspondent. Woo, we made it through with that. Shelby, what have you been up to? Uh, I feel like I have finally emerged from some sort of really deep, dark cave uh, where my life was consumed with talking about the thing which shall not be named at this point. Just You've for already you. completed it. You're done. Yeah, it's Dunsies. And now I can think about other things like zinch armies and, and dragons and all that An fun stuff. Important question. Did you get food? What? On on the wedding day? Yes. Because that was what the, they, the, the listeners had yeah, you know, yeah, warned so you. Right. So uh, I, I did. I sat down to eat and I actually ate some, but I did not eat much because it wasn't a matter of having the food in front of me. It was a matter of being hungry enough to eat the food. No. Okay. So, but yeah, you had it the was a, I did. And it was a blast. Also, Nicholas, the starting soon music, I don't think is Seth's music when he teaches at the vet school, but I it should be. I don't have music when I teach. So that's an excellent addition I think we should make. Dead silence. <laughs> what about you, Seth? What do you have to um, I have been painting maniacally, like basically nonstop this weekend, except for when I went to your wedding. And then... Um, painting last night and packing, um, all in the preparation for Charity Hammer. So I am uh, just uh, literally like seven hours away from when I leave <laughs> to go to Charity Hammer. Um, so after the show, I have to go to bed, folks, because I have to get up at 3 a.m. to catch my flight to Seattle. Um, but I will, through it, don't worry. I will be plenty rested come Friday noon Pacific time for my, my chance to take down Danny the Pizza McDevitt. Uh, he's, uh, uh, there we go. There's pizza, Danny. There's my rival pizza, Danny. Uh, take him down. It, it, it was fun. I enjoyed doing that. Um, anyway, so, uh, besides that, Shelby, why don't you get us into some GW news? Oh, show again, this is what kicker would normally do, but now I'm pretty stoked. I get to do it because like this week was amazing. Uh, mostly because there's more dragons. We thought that they were going to stop at two giant dragons. We were wrong. There are now somewhat smaller dragons dragons with riders on them miniature dragons they're not miniature i think they're, they're, they're decent size i, mean, I don't know are, what they, they are miniatures that oh my god Seth. yes Seth. okay <clears throat> anyways there's uh so oh my god i'm so fairly certain our producers about to mute me no it's okay it's okay uh so there are now dragon riders and they said that if you take a certain character in your army list then you can have a pure army of dragons which is really really all they had to say to get me to just yeah. go all in on another army so yep gonna probably do that uh there are a few new rules releases so you guys probably saw plenty of the spoilers for thousand suns and gray knight psychic powers and gifts and Dog cabals and all that sort of stuff. I mean, so spoiler, they are all really, really rude. Just super rude. Um, the cabal points for Thousand Suns are generated every single psychic phase, and they can be used in addition to lots of other things. What? Hmm? Every psychic phase, they get that crap? Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you have Magnus in your army, I'm pretty sure like d double check me on that, but I'm pretty sure like, yeah. so if you have Magnus army, you get, what is it? Like six or seven cabal points every like, psychic phase to use. He gives you a lot, like a ton. Uh, and you can do all sorts of fun shenanigans with that stuff. It is very sad. Um, there's just going to be a lot of mind bullets flying around on the board. I, I mean, like, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for Thousand Suns and Grey Knights players because they've needed this for, for a hot minute. But I am still going to be really sad whenever I see Magnus across the table just ready to mess my day yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a thing. Um, <laughs> and we should actually have the codexes going up for pre-order this weekend. So hopefully previewers mm -hmm. get their copies and we can we can get some more of those spicy rules this weekend. Soon. Um, what about you, Seth? What have we got going on in the Frontline Gaming Company? So from the frontline gaming uh, standpoint, uh, the kind of big news is there is a flash sale on right now for the Ancient Alien Ruins mats. Uh, and these are about 19% off. I double triple checked that, that it was 19% off because it really just seemed like it was making me mad being exactly 19%. Um, but that is indeed what it is. So great Alien. chance to pick up, uh, you know, six by four or the new 44 by 60s. If you're looking to get something, you know, it's it's got a little bit of that, you know, Eldar-esque ruin stuff there. So you could be an old Eldar ruin that basically any race is fighting over because who doesn't want to steal Eldar's crap? Because Eldar suck. Everybody hates Eldar. Exactly. Sorry, guys. Exactly. Um, but outside of that, uh, not a whole lot else going on with FLG uh, the company, but in terms of FLG events, uh, don't forget, you can still get your SoCal open tickets. Uh, SoCal open is October 22nd through the 24th and they are still available. So hop on that. Um, you can just walk right from the venue to the beach, uh, which sounds fantastic. And it's October. So if you live in a colder Northern, uh, you know, location, this might be a great way to go see some Southern California and get some, some sun and some warmth in your life that time of year. Um, because a few years ago, I totally went um, like after Thanksgiving on a cruise to the Caribbean. It's a great idea to go visit nice warm places in the winter. So you should totally do that. So like on that note, random tangent, I told so I told one of my friends this week that uh, we were planning on eventually, not immediately, but eventually taking our honeymoon in like the Monterey Bay, San Francisco area because neither of us have ever been to the West Coast. And they were like, oh, horrible choice. San Francisco oh. sucks. And I was like, hmm. okay, well, first of all, didn't ask you. Second of all, that makes me sad. Why would you say that? <laughs> first of all, uh, shut the hell up. I didn't say that, though. I was just like, oh, that's unfortunate. Tell me more about that. Why do you feel that way? <laughs> so, uh, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, I'm sure California will be great. It'll be awesome. Yeah. So I, I, it, that is definitely on my bucket list. If I could weasel my way out there this year, I might try. But I don't think it's going to be in the work cards for me. But um, don't forget to get your tickets because they will sell out. Um, we'll have more information about FLG events kind of later in the listener question section. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get into the FLGN news, Shelby. You got it. So there's actually quite a lot for me to talk about here, which normally there's not. Normally it's the same old, same old, but there's actually a couple of really cool things for me to tell you guys. So if you haven't already checked out the, the network news, um, there's a new show for you guys to enjoy. It's called The Chief Librarian. Um, it's a lore, narrative, and hobby-based podcast, and it's hosted by Captain Morgan whose name I'm pretty sure is Chris. Yeah, it's Chris Morgan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but this podcast is a little bit different from most of the ones we currently have in that it'll actually just focus on that, like, 
purely the hobby narrative lore aspect of 40k as a hobby so it'll be i think really really interesting the first episode is already up i think it's a bit of an introduction to a lot of the stuff that chris morgan enjoys and wants to talk about and wants you to get out of um the podcast as well as a little bit of chat about another charity event that's going to be going on and if you want to learn more about that you can go listen to the first episode of the chief librarian um, Matt, or excuse me, Chris Morgan is a former co-host of Forge the Narrative, a frontline blog contributor, an LVO judge, and according to uh, El Jefe, a painfully large Blood Angels fan. So judge that as you may. Is, is, that, uh, is that a joke about? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're going there. We're not making fun of you if 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 that came off harsh, Chris. We're oh, only yeah, reading no. the notes that Val gave us to read. Truly. Also, I'm sure you're a delight. I listened to uh, a little bit of the podcast and it sounds great. Um, so if you want to go back and listen to last week's episode of the Thursday show, you'll catch some rundown upcoming for the Frogtown GT and the London Open GT, which is definitely distinct from the London GT Correct. in that it is open. Instead of closed, also mu- um, much, much a much smaller scale event than the London GT. At that, I'm sure that's what the difference is. I don't. That's I'm sure the Thursday show will joke about that and tell you about that as well. Yes. Um, you can also listen to Grim After Dark last night. They aired an episode that was supposed to have Marshall Peterson to chat about uh, Necrons, and he's a Final Four player from the Lone Star Open. Um, he will be on next week, and instead, it featured Taylor. Uh, and he does what, according to according to them, is a just complete regurgitation of God Blight, the the most recent Dark Imperium novel. Um, I spoiled it for myself and went and read a, a synopsis of the book. It seems really really cool, but I would love to hear it from Taylor's standpoint. So, go give that a listen. Ta- ta- I don't know. Taylor's standpoint is a very disjointed, hilarious romp through the book, and I'm ninety percent sure that you could listen to a Taylor like book report and not actually spoil the book for yourself because it's just so all over the place, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, but there, yes, there's, as uh, Tamagotchi Express points out, there was some scandalous pictures of, of myself placed on that show in an effort to bespir- besmirch my, my good character um, with the evil pizza Danny. He's trying to bring me down um, saying I'm molesting dolphins and, and, destroying birds so he uh, he's got it coming he's going down guys i'm taking him down or does he just imply oh oh, no they say that gosh darn it danny this is a pg-13 podcast right (laughs) they're grim after dark (laughs) look i thought the point was that it was supposed to be light after dark like a little Mm. bit more fun um any hooser in addition to picking up Graham After Dark uh, and the Thursday show and the Chief Librarian, go ahead and give Chapter Tactics a listen if you wanted Frontline's version of an in-depth look at the Orc Codex. All those fresh hot takes about what's good, what's not, what's worth, etc. Uh, unfortunately, Seth is not giving those hot takes, but I think you can find those uh, elsewhere. Um, yeah. And of course, you've heard about it every week for what feels like eternity at this point. Charity Hammer is finally upcoming this weekend, and you can watch 72 hours straight of just tons and tons and tons of 40k content, and it will be hosted, excuse me, co-hosted by the Frontline Gaming Network. It is officially approved, um, and they'll be be hosting one of the streams uh, across all of our platforms. I don't know which one yet, or what will be on it. 
my bet is it's probably just the BiffPod one because the BiffPod one. The, so the, the the three sources are the BiffPod Twitch stream, the uh, Art of War YouTube stream, and then the Charity Hammer Twitch stream. Okay. And I think I think in terms of billing, if you will, mm-hmm. the top billing is usually the BiffPod one. So that would be my bet is they co-host the BiffPod one. Cool. Sounds fantastic. Uh, and then hopefully Steve Joel will be back for his second episode of Game Changers with Paul Murphy joining him from our own Thursday show and uh, at the Forge the Narrative host. So yeah, lots of stuff to go back and listen to or to look forward to watching. So just do that. Have fun. Consume the content. Consume all of the content. Whew. That yes, was a Cara, lot of Sorry, real quick. Yes, Cara Quinn. Can Hammer is the third stream. Uh, for the, the Twitch chat. Um, I don't think Darren was able to make it this year with a scheduling conflict. And we were all kind of on the fence about whether or not Canada could even come to this event. But um, yeah, Darren himself did not make it, but they are still uh, streaming for us this weekend. All right. So moving onward to the tabletop talk section, um, I, I always kind of struggle each week because there's obviously so many things that we could talk about and sometimes spicy current events to talk about. But instead, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit with you guys about Warhammer as a potential mainstream universe. Just in general, some of the possibilities, whether or not it's a good or a bad thing. Like this thing has has 42 video games. I looked it up, 42 video games. But we wouldn't call it mainstream. And so I kind of was just interested in having a discussion about if 42 video games and a a host of books doesn't quite cut it in terms of making it a mainstream hobby or, or, or lore or something like that, what does? And maybe you guys do consider it to be mainstream. Maybe we have different definitions of mainstream. I don't know. Um, I was going to try and keep this discussion a little bit more brief. That way Seth can actually get some beauty sleep before he flies off into the darkness of Charity Hammer. Because I need beauty sleep. Definitely, guys. <laughs> Look at this thing. <laughs> um, so just... We, you know, I've I've heard there's been some pushback on if it was more popular and it was mainstream, we would lose some sense of what truly is the grim, dark uh, future of the 41st millennium. Um, my definition of mainstream in this case is whether or not your average person just walking up to them on the street has heard of 40K or like fantasy or Age of Sigmar or something along those lines. Seth, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's like, like I, as an analog, I would say, you know, go back 10 years and say Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the HBO series, it was, uh, you know, it was a fantasy book series that was popular, but you wouldn't walk up to a random person on the street be like, have you seen Game of Thrones? You know, now you can say, hey, have you seen Game of Thrones? And everyone's got an opinion about it. So I, I think that's, that's a good definition of it, you know, being able to kind of walk into an audience and everyone there knows what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Disflex says talking to the average person on the street sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree, man. Never mind. Let's let's not use that. Um, so the reason that I wanted to chat about this is mostly because I I think oddly enough, if you bring this up to people who play 40k, they have a rather strong opinion about it one way or the other. Uh, either it could be more mainstream and that's great it'll draw in more players and it'll make the hobby more uh, accessible it'll it'll make that it'll help the company grow 
Or that is in fact the opposite of what some players and hobbyists want. They want the lore to stay grim and dark and kind of dense and unaccessible. Um, inaccessible? I'm not sure which yeah. one. But the, the concern there being that if the hobby were more mainstream, if there were a movie or something that came out and people actually ate that up, um, suddenly Games Workshop would be like, oh, we're onto something here. Let's go ahead and back this up, make the lore a, bit, a little bit more simple, streamline it, make it easier um, to, to dive into and understand. And I guess that that in and of itself is what, in my opinion, would determine whether you as an individual think that is a good or a bad thing. Because either you think broadening the hobby and making lore more accessible is a good thing, or you like it the way it is and you don't want it to change. And that's okay too. So the biggest parallel that I can think of in recent years, other than Game of Thrones, is Dungeons & Dragons' absolutely explosive growth over the past couple of years. Um, and I've seen a lot of, again, kind of dynamic opinions about whether or not that has brought better quality to Dungeons & Dragons as a tabletop RPG. That might be too different of a comparison, I'm not sure, but that's kind of what I'm imagining is that is that sort of transformation. Yeah. Um, Seth, what are what are your initial thoughts on that? K.R. Quinn stole my good ideas. Oh, <laughs> so I, just I was, let's read off his comments. <laughs> yeah, so no, because um, I, I was sitting here thinking when you were talking about it, um, you know, about the lore being too dense or, 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 you know, too unapproachable. And I was thinking, you know, they, they, they're doing that like young adult series of, of books now. And obviously they're going to try to make those not super dark. Um, and I, and I was thinking like, well, what else has kind of got some, some dark past, some really like obscene amount of material that almost is unapproachable. It's so large. And I thought comics. And then of course, you know, the, the mouse house has taken Marvel to places that 20 years ago, no one would have guessed. Um, so I think I think that's a good comparison. Like the Marvel comics, like there are plenty of people that just know the Marvel comics from the movies, and they they don't dive any deeper in the lore, and that's all they dig. But there there was a lot of folks that when the movie started coming out, they got into certain characters and they went back and started getting into the comic books, and now you've got you know card games and board games and figure games all based off of. Uh, these properties because before they were very niche, but once more people got into them, they wanted to, to get into that gaming component. So I'm not a get, I, I think, you know, there's an opportunity here. There's, there's a bunch of rumor mill stuff running around about an Eisenhorn series being made. It's still being cast, you know, that could, that could draw a lot of folks in. And if you look back, you know, just 10 years, um, when the Space Marine video game dropped, there was a lot of folks that got into the game because they played that game and they enjoyed it. And then like the, the thing right behind me, Dawn of War, you know, when those games first dropped on the computer, like the strategy games, a lot of folks, that was their first exposure. And then they got into the actual tabletop game. So it's not a one for one conversion rate of people finding these sources of media and then jumping into the, you know, reading all 3 billion Black Library Horace Heresy novels um, and buying 27 armies. Um, but you're going to get some people that get drawn in through those means. And I think the more of us that we have, the better, because that means the the more people in the community, the more you know, attention we can get from from GW, the more, the more GW grows, the more stuff we end up getting. Whether you like the stuff or don't like the stuff, that's up to you. But I always like more stuff. For sure. And I think the only two additions that I would have to that before we move on is um, one, I would point out like, so for example, um, 
K.R. Quinn talks about Tolkien not really being mainstream until the movies, Marvel not really being mainstream until some sort of series, right? Um, and I, I, I just, so if you guys haven't heard of Marvel Crisis Protocol, for example, or Star Wars Legion, right? Those are, are miniatures games where you have to do the same thing, build, paint, etc., move around on a board um, that have that exist within the space of these absolutely massive uh, conglomerates now of just information and lore and stuff. And they're still really fun uh, and, and very streamlined. Those games are, are, are your delight. And so my hope is that if that were the case, if, if there were parts of... 40k or fantasy that became more accessible like in movies or tv shows or some young adult books for example that there would still be this this kind of corner of a 40k universe where we play uh you know 40k the miniatures version of the game and games workshop recognizes that that's on a good path and it's and it's okay where it's going i also wonder if that this entire uh conversation is just a moot point because it won't really happen that something like this could get mainstream. I don't actually know. I'm curious to your thoughts or, or chat's thoughts on whether yeah. or not this is even a worthy conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we're not James workshop. We don't control the company. I would assume the company wants to keep growing its product and sure. that's the easiest path to grow the product, but I don't know if it'll happen. I would love it to happen, but on the same hand, if it doesn't, I've been in this game for God, Almost 20 years. Oh my gosh, seriously? It's been a while. It's been a long time, folks. <laughs> a long time. Uh, okay, fair so, enough. Well, thank you right. guys. Oh, uh, before we head off, so I think growth in the hobby is good, but it does come with some change management challenges, chain management challenges that GameStop, Games Workshop have historically fumbled. Mm-hmm. The last couple of weeks is a testament to that, and that's where the concern's like, yeah, so so would Games Workshop be capable of keeping up with a with a larger a larger change like that? Um, so, it's more or <laughs> I think the internet just ate Shelby. Um, well, well, uh, I guess I'll move on to the oh, whoa, she gone entirely. Well, folks, you might be you might be in for a bit of a ride now. Um, so, well, I'll just hop into the competitive news. Um, kind of the big news uh, that's kind of come up recently is uh, GW did kind of drop a surprise AdMech FAQ last Friday. Um, praise the Emperor, Chaos Gods, Eldar Thingy, Greater Good, Gorkum Work, whatever deity you praise. Um, big changes that came out of that. They reduced the enriched round strat uh, to uh, five hitting on fives, causing wounds rather than fours and increased the CP cost of that. So it's a little less. Oh, look, there she is. Hello. Hello, Shabbat. Welcome Hi. back. Hi. We're talking about AdMech FAQs now. I got dragged um, into the warp for talking poorly about the Grim Dark universe, but I'm back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nurgle Matthew took her out probably. Seems about right. Um, Galvanic Volley got changed to Heavy 3 instead of Rapid Fire 2, which is sort of like some folks are saying is an upgrade because now you don't have to move your Rangers forward. They can just sit back and get a few extra shots rather than having to put them in that half range to get four shots and kind of sacrificing that unit. Um, the Lucius save doesn't stack with cover, um, so you can't really get like, you know, two up or zero up or, you know, crazy saves on those guys. Um, they changed their their morale strat, the acquisition to any cost to once per game. And the Iron Striders lost core, so they lost access to uh, some of the rerolls and buffs. So the question is, is are these changes enough? Um, the general consensus is probably they're going to need some points adjustments on top of that to make things a little bit more even. Um, but it's a bit too early to tell uh, if this is enough to tone down the ad mech. Um, and speaking of tone down the ad mech, 
This was a slower week for events. Uh, there's only three GT level events this week, uh, which was the London Open, the Naughty GT, and the Showdown at Frogtown. Oh the uh, London GT was won by Custodes. The Naughty GT was run by, won by Sisters, and the Showdown at Frogtown was won, run by Brad Chester running Drew Carey. Um, so you would say, oh, well, the, the meta has fixed itself. There are no AdMech winners. Not quite. Um, of of the top fives across all three of those events, seven of the fifteen were AdMech players. Um, so that's a big chunk of of those high end players, uh, AdMech. And as a win rate, they were still seventy seven percent. Now none of these events were running the FAQ, so this is kind of I think this is a good benchmark of this is how high AdMech got before the nerfs. Now hopefully in the next week or two we start to see. Uh, kind of what the nerfs look like. Um, you know, are we going to start to see the win rate come down? I don't think it's going to come down to probably like the mid fifties where we'd like it to be, but you know, if we can lock them down to the low sixties, um, that'd be nice. So, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? How do you think the, the meta is going to, going to keep propping up AdMech, or is this enough to bring them down? Shelby? I mean, I was going to ask you personally whether you thought the FAQ, because I'm really bad at reading FAQs, mostly because I'm bad at this game and don't know much about other armies outside of my own. Um, so when the Drakaria FAQ came out and the Admech FAQ came out, I just sort of assumed like, ah, I'm sure this will do the trick. Um, but I don't know where this Admech FAQ stands compared to, for example, the Drakaria FAQ. Um, like, do you think that it was more of a hammer or less of a hammer? I think it was less because um, Captain Athenos points it out. Um, oh, the, yeah, there weren't any the points Drakari increases. The one also came with points increases. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think like this is like halfway there um, with with just the rules nerfs. You know, if they if they do this and they up the points on them so that you're, they're getting less assets in an admech army, you know, I think I think they'll still be strong. And that's the thing. You don't want you don't want to hammer them into the ground so they don't even work because then the admech players are going to be sad. And we all might say, ah, screw the admech players. They're playing an overpowered codex. But you don't want you don't want your codex to get hammered into the ground. So, you know, let's not hammer them into the ground. Um, um, Jason Nagowski points out that Frogtown didn't use the FAQ. Yeah, yeah none of the yeah, so none of the events I talked about use the FAQ. Okay, so, so this is pre. Um, all right. Yeah, this is all pre. So this is kind of like that's what I'm saying. Like this is the high watermark. This is yeah. as bad as they were because this is with the Book of Fire in play. So right. they've got their crazy veteran Skatari BS. Um, and let's see if this knocks them back down to still really good army, like probably still overpowered in the, in the low sixties, but you know, knock them down to something that maybe you can actually have a game against. Um, mm. we'll see. Uh, Stephen Buck mentioned or asks really quickly. I know it's a very random question at this point in the, in the podcast, but he asks what our thoughts are on a new Tau codex coming out, which I want to piggyback off that question and point out that I think that thousand suns and, uh, gray knights are the ones that were last teased in that big spoiler yeah. like months ago, right? So now we have no idea what's coming. Yeah, I I have not, I've, I've not heard anything definitive out of the rumor mill. Um, so who knows what we're going to see coming up next. I almost wonder if GW pumps the brakes on Codex releases at this point, because you're talking about September, October, November. They, they usually dump some big boxes around Christmas. You know, they've got AOS 3. AOS 3 only has two books right now. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like they're going to try to make a bigger push into AOS uh, 3. So I don't know if we're going to see a ton of new stuff coming out um, 40K wise for the rest of the year. We'll see. I, I would love more content, but I almost kind of wonder if they're like, eh, right now we need to get AOS 3 popped up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Anyway, but anyway, okay. let's get into some ITC recaps.
So uh, first on the competitive track, uh, if you guys were listening last week and I was doing some quick head math, um, I was saying that I don't think that John Lennon is going to get quite enough points to jump Sean Naden. I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, maybe one day someone can come on and explain the point system to me. Um, but so number five, we got Colin McDade. Number four, Mark Hurdle. Number three, the old man himself, Brad Chester. Number two, Sean Naden. And your new number one, the boy king, John Lennon. And I, I will be, I will be, John. I will, I think John and Brad will be at Charity Hammer. So I will, we will endeavor to, to continue to enforce the nickname of the boy King. Um, so uh, keep an eye on them. Cause I, I feel like this is the season that John Lennon is going to try to take, take it all. So we'll see mm-hmm. uh, for the hobby track. Number five. I don't think we've got a lot of movement here. Rick Hill, number four, Marshall Peterson, the illustrious Necron player that ghosted dark. Or grim, I still want to see his stuff. army. Yeah. So I do. Send, send us your stuff. Um, Noah Bedom is number three, JT Steaker number two, and Lee Harris is still number one. On to the AOL competitive track. Uh, we do have a few more scores come in here. So we have uh, number five is Gavin Greigar. Number four is Ramon Silva. Number three is Nicholas Branham. Number two is Anthony Trentinelli. I got it right this week. You did it. And number one, Mel Aquino. That sounds different than last week. I mean, I, th- I think I got a few more scores, but no was one in yeah. both tracks last week, so I made a point of pointing Fair that enough. out. Okay. Speaking of hobby track, hobby track hasn't had any movement because they still don't need more scores. AOS Soon. Soon. Um, number five is Matt Abbott. Number four, Will Reeves. Number three, Chris Hernandez. Number two, Scott Reed. And number one is Noah Aquino again. All He's right. just crushing so- it. He is. I'm. I. I like those players that are kind of the top of both charts. Um, I'm really. I know. I know a lot of the 40k guys at the upper end. You know, they they have to shift quickly between armies to kind of stay current. But I really would like to start seeing some of the names kind of reflected on both ends there for the 40k side. Come on, 40k side. You can't let AOS show you up on the hobby side. You gotta. You gotta step up. Step up, guys. Yeah. Looking at you. Yeah. Uh, Shelby's like, yeah. All right. <laughs> We're going to happen to our rapid fire sec- question section. We, again, because we don't have kicker tonight, if you guys want to throw some questions up for us in chat, yeah. we'd be happy to get to them. Let's um, do three minutes yeah. on the clock since Richard's we have time. no kicker. Yeah. Let's, let's do three minutes for us and then we can get to whatever people throw up in the chat. <laughs> That's the clock. The clock is Pizza Danny. I don't like that. Oh, hail Pizza Danny. I thought right. we weren't hailing Pizza Danny specifically. Because okay, he's your crap. rival. I, I, look, folks, I, Danny and I are good friends, and the rivalry is something that we play up a lot of the time. Um, oh, you love each other. It's fine. We do, so it's funny. Anyway, back to back to serious talk now. Yeah. Uh, Shelby. Mm-hmm. Andrew from Virginia Beach says, how many horrors does Shelby pan- plan to paint for her AOS Zeech army? Oh, man. Uh, okay. So approximately what? I don't know what a good number is. 350? That sounds about right. Right, Three hundred and fifty. Uh, just kidding. Nope. Solid uh, answer. Pro- realistically, probably like thirty. All right. Or forty. All right. Next up, Brennan from Facebook asks, just from Facebook, the book of faces. It was Facebook. I didn't know where he was from. <laughs> it was funny. How did the player place terrain experiment go at LSO? And do you think FLG will continue with the same format going forward? It was it was positively received by all the the comments I got from the FLG staff, and they did say that they too plan to do a little tweaking to the system. But using that system going forward is probably going to be what you're going to see at FLG events. So, get ready to see that at more FLG events. Get a chance to practice it if you can. I'm going to try to practice it myself. So just get ready for that. Uh, Shelby, mm-hmm. 
Terry Neguins uh, asks, what hotel venue do you recommend for SoCal Open? All right. Uh, so with absolutely zero knowledge of the West Coast, I did some Googling for you because as a reminder, or really quickly, if you weren't aware of this moving into, you know, as you as you get ready for the SoCal Open, SoCal Open is not connected to a hotel. So it is not being hosted by any sort of hotel for the event. So you will have to go get your own reservation somewhere else. Um, and I don't have a specific answer for you because it turns out that area has a really, really nice variety of all sorts. Like within a mile of the event, you can find like your your usual like Hampton Inns, Marriott's, there's a hotel Indigo for it's, they're all like a couple hundred dollars a night because California and West Coast and beach. Um, but there's if you're willing to drive in or something a little farther out there are some really good options and some really high end options if you're just feeling fancy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Hotels. <laughs> we, we did ask Reese Terry and he went, Oh, there's a bunch of nice places around there. You had to get really gravelly. You didn't get gravelly enough. Hey guys, this is Reese. Yeah, there's lots of good options around there. Okay. All right. So Alan... I broke Shelby. I broke Shelby, guys. <laughs> that was too good. Alan asks now that I've been Lord... holding that one for a while. He's going to just like come down in an omnipotent force and be like, excuse you. All right. All right. Sorry. I'm waiting for the chat to blow up right now, actually, from, from the back end. <laughs> Alan asks, now that the Orc Codex has been almost released, almost, we are seeing some GTs allowed and others waiting until the full release. What do you think about it, Seth, uh, about this patchwork of new and old releases? I mean, it makes my job hard to kind of, you know, evaluate how the Orcs are doing as a meta. Um so uh, I, I, I personally, you know, I, I got the codex in the hand. I want to play with it. But I, I personally think until everything is, is out there and everyone has access to it and we have like, you know, in the 40K app and we have all the models, I, I don't think, you know, for a small event like an RTT or GT, sure. But I don't think any major should be running it um, because like one of the things that we had to figure out this weekend for Charity Hammer is... We all wanted to run beast bosses on Swigasaurs, and we were like, "What base size does that go on?" Dice no down. What knows? Dice down. No. So, we did have a few questions in chat. Unfortunately, a few of them scrolled by. I, uh, I screenshotted it. <laughs> excellent. Good stuff. Okay, so you go ahead and start. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Does Pizza Danny have a weakness, and do you plan to exploit it in round one of Charity Hammer? Is it pizza? No, Danny's weakness is he's always moist. So I'm going to dehydrate him. So by the end of the game, he starts to to fail, uh, you know, with simple tasks. Oh That's my, my plan is to keep drinks away from him. Actually, uh, I have I have uh, some special presents for Danny when, when we get there. And hopefully those will aid in my victory. Okay. You'll have to tune into the stream to see him. Okay. Uh, Josh Herrera says, can I rub your bald head, Seth? I mean, I guess, Josh, if you're vaccinated, whenever I see you again. Um, okay. Uh, Trendy Love says, who wins Charity Hammer? Uh, the popular vote is either Brad Chester or John Lennon. I'm I'm a man that calls a shot, guys. I, I did a bracket. You can do brackets. There's a challenge link on all the Charity Hammer stuff. If you want to do a, a bracket and predict, the, the winner of the predictions gets a beast snaggle box. It's Pizza Shelby now. That worked way too well, actually. Um but I I, we, I bet on myself, guys. You know, I, if, I, if I'm going to go the distance, I want to have placed my bets. So we'll see. I'm proud of you. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Wolf Priest Carl says, when will Reese, Reese release his stranglehold on Tao? Again, I think you're confusing uh, the mild man or business owner Reese with the evil cabal that is Reesio and his team of anti-Tao uh, insiders. Um, yeah, and I don't totally know that different. they're ever going to release their grip on after after what Tao did to us back in 7th edition. What else um, we got? Let's see. Uh, what are you looking forward to most? The Charity Hammer. Um Basically, a three-day slumber party playing 40k in that a does sound amazing. In, in an 1100 square foot house with an indoor pool. Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a party. Okay, um, all right, fine. fine. Is Shelbert gonna ask uh, slash make Seth paint her dragons? Okay, all right, all right. So first of all, I feel attacked. Second of all, uh, probably. <laughs> I was, uh... Uh, I mean, I, I could probably knock those out. I'll, I'll, I would want to paint at least one uh, just because I really enjoy larger projects like that and making them my own and seeing my own idea come to life. But I will probably ask Seth of you, probably. Yeah, I can probably help out. Yay. Uh, Darkness Wolf asks, uh, what army do you guys think needs the biggest update? Oh, that's a good question. Our, our producer says Tau, just so you know what his vote is. I think the biggest the, what needs the biggest update that just doesn't work right now is is probably guard. Um, they're just they're 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 basically like mana cores right now. Um, mm -hmm. I I think knights also need a a pretty big update. I know that there was a good knight player that went far at LSO, but from from a from a you know addition design standpoint, they're in a they're in a tough spot because you can't do actions, you can't do you know a lot with them so i think those kind of need some big redesigns um um i i think my vote would be tyranids not necessarily because their rule set doesn't work but because i think they're not doing what they're supposed to do flavor wise like they're just not i don't see much of the hive mindy synapse goodness that there should be and i don't know it probably could use a facelift yep anyways all right. And then the last one. Oh, no, I got two more on the, the screenshot page. Um, cool. Anyone from FLG going to represent at the GW Orlando tournament? Uh, I am not. I'm going to go to the yeah. New Orleans one. Not None of us are. The three hosts here are all going to the New Orleans one. But I'm sure um, there's some other ones who yeah, probably Yeah, I'm sure are. there's some other folks trying to hit that one up. Yeah. And the last one is uh, Seth, uh, people all over the place with uh, where they think the Orc Codex falls in the rankings. Where would you place it for competitive play? I'd, I'd say the orcs right now, they're probably at like a sister level. They're good, but they are going to take a bit to solve to find out what the list is. Um, just like it took a few months for sisters. Um, I, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of depth to the codex, which really allows us to kind of, uh, as orcs, kind of shift with the meta. So I think that'll be cool. Um, yeah, Sick. that's it. And then awesome. I think by the time I click back to the chat, a bunch of questions scrolled past and I didn't catch them. There were a few, but we have gone through quite a few. We so have, perhaps, we have. Perhaps we should I, put a bow I think on this. We, I think we have reached the end of this uh, so that I can uh, try to squeeze in a couple hours of sleep before I get on the road. Um, so don't forget uh, to get your SoCal tickets. Uh, those are still available. Uh, they're going to sell out, and then you're going to come October and be sad that you don't have them. Um, don't forget that we have the mat sale ongoing right now, so you can get yourself 19% off the Ancient Alien Ruins mat. It bothers um, me so much. It does. Like, I... I'm going to have to call Reese back and be like, hey, hey, <laughs> fix the pricing. Um, anyway, uh, what, what FLGM plugs do we have, Shelby? 
Uh, yeah. So make sure to go back and watch Grim After Dark. Go back and listen to uh, the Chief Librarian. Um, looking forward to the Thursday show, uh, and the return of Game Changers and potentially Stat Center? Question mark. There's going to be a perpetual question mark and fingers crossed on that one, we, but perhaps it'll happen. We, we are hopeful to see it towards the end of this month. Fingers Indeed. crossed. Indeed. Fingers crossed, guys. Do All right. It. Well, uh, any final thoughts for the night, Shelby? Uh. Nope. Just a blank nope. slate. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> Thanks for the conversation, guys. Yeah, it was good. Though. I really I really enjoyed the chat with the chat tonight. For so sure. uh, thanks for joining us, folks. We really appreciate you being here. And we really hope you enjoyed whatever episode number we're on because there's a bajillion of these things. Yeah. Uh, have a great week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Good luck, Seth. Crush your enemies. Wah!